in verse 18 through 30, and you may want to throw a marker in 2 Corinthians 4. So this, this is going to be uh, a ton of fun, uh, but it could get pretty messy emotionally for me. So bear with me, and um, uh, we'll just trust that God will keep us, and like Tom just prayed, His grace will speak and His grace will listen. So Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 18. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope you were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that the firstborn among many brothers... And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So as I was preparing for this, uh, I, had, I have a bunch of notes. Uh, I was going verse by verse, kind of trying to exegetically approach the scriptures and unpack them, you know, word for word. And that's highly beneficial, and I, I value that approach to teaching. I value listening to people who... Um, teach like that, uh, but I just got this picture of God kind of chuckling at me saying, what are you doing? Um, tell our story. I love uh, the word, and I said, you know, there's fear of making um, story more about me than about you, so I want to centralize and focus on your word. And he says, you've never done anything in your life uh, outside of me. It's all been under my sovereignty. Uh, scripture says that your life is hid in Jesus Christ that where you go, I go. And he said, tell your story and proclaim to the nations the goodness of God. Proclaim to the nations what God has done in your life. Tell how the scriptures are alive and are applicable to daily living. Talk about the things, the promises that I have given you that affect every single day of your life. And trust that all of the part of you that wants to make anything, because our culture does. We want to make things about us, and I do too. And he said, trust that that's not your heart. Trust that God will be glorified in this. Uh, but you don't have to present in a way that other speakers do. You don't have to present in a way that, um, yeah, just tell our story. And so that's what I'm going to do. And uh, trust that God will, will present himself in a way that um, humbles us with gratitude uh, but also just projects us into uh, present joy for future hope. And so, journey with me. 
this first paragraph, verses 18 through 25, essentially, are all about present sufferings and the promise of future glory. I pull up here today, and, and the first one I see is a friend who also has some physical ailments. And I'll tell you my story for those of you who don't know. Um, one of the next few people I see is husband's in the, in the hospital right now uh, with tears in her eyes. And so we all know, and I don't have to preach to you guys, that this life has some deep, deep suffering. And we all have different flavors of it, but we all know what it's like to experience loss and experience brokenness. And as Scripture lays out here, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. It goes on to talk about uh, those, this whole piece of Scripture Paul is writing for believers. Paul is writing to those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And so the previous chapters, Paul has described how God, through the life and sacrifice of Jesus Christ and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, has taken one part of this broken world, our hearts, our sinful, stained hearts, and he has given us a solution that he has declared. He says, I can do something about that, and in fact, I have. If you will receive my forgiveness and my cleansing and my Holy Spirit, that part that is broken will be redeemed, will be made whole, will be reconciled. And so now he, he transitions a little bit to show us that's not the end, though. There's, there's more to the story. This is all moving forward to something. So this is about, and this is for and directed, specifically to those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. But there's a message for those of us who, uh, if you're here uh, curious, uh, maybe you're here, um, don't believe much of that, maybe you're here just trying to explore that a little bit, uh, I trust that you are going to find and hear uh, a message of how God wants to answer some questions that you may have. The, as we read here, says, not only for creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God, it was subjected to futility. That word futility basically means wanting in want of vigor. Vigor basically is stability, strength, power. So all of creation is longing for stability. All of creation is longing for power. All of creation is longing for strength because it doesn't fully have it. Because it's missing. And the scriptures teach us how that came to be is through sin. And as sin came and broke the inside of us and broke our relationship with God and broke our relationship with each other, even creation was subject, it says, to decay. And so all of us know there's something not quite right. Life is a little bit of a disappointment at times. And we all know that. It says, not only was it subject to this, but it was for a purpose. That creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and its bondage to decay. For the whole creation groans together with the pains of childbirth until now. And verse 23 says, not only creation, but we ourselves, the first fruit of the Spirit. So basically it's saying, as Christians, we're not void of this brokenness. Much of us has been healed and our perspective has been healed, but we are not void of the brokenness of relationship, of the brokenness of world of the brokenness of our bodies. Many of us suffer from physical ailments that never leave. You can feel it every day or you're limited every day. Many of us suffer from the busted relationships, uh, broken families, your wayward or distant sons or daughters. Many of our, our relationships are broken from death itself, 
that there's constantly a longing that never quite goes away, does it? But it's doing something. It's producing something. And that's what we're going to talk about today. For in this hope we were saved, the redemption of our bodies. It's interesting to me how Paul pulls out Again, he's transitioning. In this hope we were saved. I looked up that word saved. Most of the time it means salvation or deliverance from bondage. But many, many times it means uh, the fullness of. It means healing to something that was broken. It means to be made whole again. So it says we were saved according to this hope. And it transitions from the inside and starts to work itself outside in the the, the example it gives is childbirth. So think about pregnancy. Immediately something miraculously happens in a woman's body. And the formation of life starts to take place. And during this process, all, at first you don't really feel much. And then pretty soon your body feels awkward, so I've been told. Feels, feels interesting, feels different. And then sometimes it's accompanied by sickness where pretty soon all kinds of things are going on. Life is being formed and cultivated and matured within another physical body. But yet, through all of that, you know it's moving towards something. And so you endure. You might not like it. Some people do. But you, you endure all those things knowing that it is for a purpose and it is for a reason. It is, it is building up to the culmination of the birth of a child, of a boy or a girl who will have life and have it to express and made in the likeness of God and express Him to the world. And so you endure all those things, but at first I can't see it if I'm just observing you. You can feel it. But pretty soon, even physically, it starts to manifest itself, right? So everything changes, but it's changing with one purpose in mind. The birth of one created in the image of God. And I'm telling you, everything on earth is moving towards something. Pregnancy isn't wasted. Sometimes you feel like you endure it, but there's beauty to it as well, right? The first time you feel a movement, the first time you see a kick, as you project forward into what this will be like. Life, sometimes you have to endure. It's not all bad. There's beauty in it. But all of it, we're to direct towards this birth of something, this something new, something whole. Many of you know my story. Uh, bear with me because a lot of us don't. And so to me, this, this piece of scripture is not just something on a page. Uh, I live here every single day. There's not a moment of my life that this isn't in the background of what I'm thinking. It's constant. Sometimes it is uh, very conscious. Uh, many times it's very conscious throughout every single day. And many times it's not. But even when it's not conscious, it's always in play for me. This is where I live. And it is, in my mind, uh, in some ways a burden and in some ways an incredible gift. Four years ago, uh, I woke up with a virus. This virus was very common, uh, but it got into my spinal cord and damaged a bunch of my nerves. It just ate up uh, a ton of my gray matter in my nerves, kind of like polio used to. Uh, so I woke up totally paralyzed in both of my legs and about 90% paralyzed in my left arm. So moving from literally in a period of three days uh, my life was turned upside down and totally wrecked. I uh, had no idea if I would uh, come out of that at all. The doctors didn't know what it was. Uh, it was a new deal. They did a great job doing their job. It was just something that nobody had seen before. And so 
Now it's called acute flaccid myelitis, and there's uh, a handful of us that have it. The chances of getting this are one in a million, so you're probably okay. Uh, chances of me getting it again are, I hope, higher than that. Um, but essentially, things took place outside my body that everything that I considered fun, everything that I was about, uh, was stripped away from me. And so, for a long time, uh, we sing songs like, When I Cannot Stand, I'll Fall on You. I hear that very different than you hear that. Uh, there was a long season of my life where I couldn't stand, where people within this church uh, built contraptions for me to place across my knees and across my waist and a desk up here so I could stand uh, when I was at work. And I had no idea if I'd use that for a year or if I'd use that for the rest of my life. Uh, praise God, I don't have to. I just need things kind of close, right? Um, aside from the physical things, aside from the, uh, the, the things that I lost physically, uh, it felt like I was living inside another person's body. I was reading some of my journal, and uh, I read across just how every part of the deepest part of how God made me felt like it was ripped out. It felt like a part of me died. And many of you know what that feels like. Many of you can relate to what I'm talking about. Where I, I, I thought, God, I understand that uh, through all this, you are good, and you are working, and you will sustain me through this. Uh, but th I, I don't see how this is compatible with living, with any kind of joy. And, and I knew Romans 8.28, that he will cause us to work to the good. And I knew the promises that he has for me in the future. And it, and it kept me through that time. Uh, the, I can remember thinking where I had great things in my life. I have great friends. I have great relationships. I have a great church family. But I constantly felt like I was being stalked by a beast of despair. Where everywhere I went forward, this thing, I felt this thing behind me. Constantly. And I'd turn and stop, and it would stop. And then as soon as I walked forward, it would get a little closer. And I'd turn and stop, and it would stop. And it, was, it would never go away. And I still had great relationships with my family and my friends and, and with God, but it didn't go away. And many of you know what that's like, where the sorrow is constant. And just around the corner is this feeling of despair. And so, as God brings me out. Obviously, I've, I have physical healing. Um, I still have less than 5% of my strength. I can't walk down these stairs really easy without thinking, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall. Um, but I, don't, I can do most things of life uh, as far as just the, the routines of life. Uh, but I'll likely never jump off this stage again. Uh, and I know many of you say, oh, just have faith to do it. That's, you have faith for me. Um, I'll tell you what I do believe. This stuff we're reading today, you can have faith on this life and, and hopefully it'll carry me. And I still work towards that end. I'm not giving up. I rehab more than anyone else I know and I'll continue to do that all my life. Um, so I'm working towards that. I'm not giving up in this life, but I believe this. I believe that one day I will be changed. If I'm changing on this life, I'll do a backflip off this stage. If not, you're going to have to wait towards heaven, Okay. All right, but here's the deal. Through all this and through these promises, listen to the different things that God has continued to whisper in my heart. Many times he screams them. Many times he speaks in, to me in, in images and, and honestly weird fantasy type things. Uh, but it's alive and well. 2 Corinthians 4, 16, 18 says, For we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, 
but the things that are unseen are eternal. Not only has this changed the way that I approach physical life, the things that God started with longings for in my body, so I have all these longings of things that I'd like to do that won't be satisfied for a long time, Um, but all of a sudden he took those and he transitioned it to other things. He took something physical and he transitioned it to deep, deep compassion for those around me. Where I see situations that rip my heart and grip my heart and turn my, my desires towards the things of God. I can remember the story of uh, a little girl. She was 11 years old and she was trapped in a collapsed building. And the, the rescue crews were trying to get her out. And they couldn't get to her, but they could hear her. And one of the things they heard her say, 11 years old, is, it's dark and I'm scared. She was trapped for three days and they never got to her. And she died. That's hard to know what to do with. And I hear stories like that and my heart just pounds. It does a couple things. I know what it's like to feel trapped. I know what it's like to feel trapped every single day and I know what it's like to feel in darkness. I was 33 years old and I had very little natural fear. And I know what it's like to feel terrified. And so I project onto that 11-year-old girl and it, it hurts. I don't want anyone to feel that whether it's something that they did or something that they didn't do, I don't want anyone to feel that. And I'm convinced and I know God hates that too. But because of these promises, I can look upon scenarios and stories and situations like that with deep compassion and hatred for evil and sorrow and grief, but it is not without hope because everything in me wants to declare and whisper to that little girl, it's not going to last forever. Her fear will come to an end. Those of us who are in Christ Jesus, your darkness comes to an end. And she will be paid back a hundredfold for those sufferings. For a long time, I thought, okay, I got to focus on eternity. I got to focus on the good that is promised to me. But you know what? I'm going to get that good whether I suffer or not because I'm in Christ. And so it didn't, it was like, well, I'd rather have the good without the suffering. Until we read something like 2 Corinthians. Listen again and look carefully. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Listen to this. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Is preparing. That word means it's creating. It's producing. So the suffering that you go through and endure right now is directly proportionate and... Not proportionate, you get more. It's directly related to the way that you are going to be glorified. Somehow, what you suffer and how you suffer in faithfulness, holding on to the promises of Jesus Christ and trusting God at his word, how you approach your trials will directly be rewarded in heaven. What happens now is doing something for then. And so in some ways, I will have hundreds of people envious of me, not only because I get the best parking spots, because I'm going to have something great. And you are too. So everything that you endure here, know that it is creating something very specific. I don't know what it looks like, but I believe it's going to be very specific for you. That 11-year-old girl's fear is not wasted. Your loss is not wasted. 2 Corinthians 5, soon after Paul just talked about that verse, 2 Corinthians 4, 
says, for in this tent, it's talking about our bodies, for in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, so it's not like we're going to be these unembodied spirits floating around, I don't believe. We don't long to be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. So you see, to the believer, what God started deep on the inside, he took my spirit and my broken, stained heart, and he said, I'm going to create wholeness there. I'm going to make it perfect. My Holy Spirit is going to come and inhabit your spirit, and you're going to be made new. I'm going to save you, and I'm going to start inside, but that, that holy, redeemed part of you is still going to have and be surrounded by some of your prideful personality. It's still going to be tainted by some of your thinking. Some of your desires aren't going to line up with my desires. You're still going to compete with other people. It's going to get further outside, and that soul of mine and those desires of mine are surrounded by a busted body that doesn't work right, that's starting to die. You're, you're dying as well. And outside of that are relationships. I think about what other people are going to think of me and I'm constantly in bondage of what they're thinking of me or, or maybe you're, you're forever um, comparing yourself and you're either coming in way high and you're arrogant or you're coming in way low and you're in despair. We're still amongst kind of some of the brokenness. But God is in process of sanctifying that. And this is where we pick up in 26. It says the Spirit helps us in our weakness. So God says, I've started to make you, I've made you complete inside and I'm starting from the inside and I'm growing it outside. In the meantime, while your soul is being sanctified and made more into the likeness of Christ, which we get later on in verse 29, predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. In that time, the Spirit is going to help you through this. Not only is He going to sustain you during tough times, but he is working and creating Jesus-like qualities in you. You are made in the image of God to reflect God. And so during this time of tension and endurance, it's producing Christ-likeness. So the way that you endure trials, people can look and say, man, that looks a lot like God. The way that you interact with other people, that reminds me of God. And it's going to bring people towards the kingdom. The Spirit intercedes for our weakness, and we're still surrounded by it. But not only that, so one day he's going to redeem bodies, and then he's going to get even further out than that. So he started on the inside with my spirit, and then he's going to move my soul and my desires and my mind, and he's going to complete that. And then he's going to redeem and transform my body so that the tent that houses eternal perfection is going to be perfect as well. And then he's going to go even further than that and he's going to fix and write all relationships and the kingdom will be perfect. And he's going to go beyond that in all creation. We are going to be living in a place of perfection with our creator, with each other, and with our surroundings. So you see the redemptive qualities? This is the childbirth. This is what everything is moving towards. This is the promises that we have. And I tell you, knowing that and believing that changes the way that you live today. It changes the way that you deal with death. It changes the way that you deal with dying. It changes the way that you deal with losing your hearing. 
It changes the way that you deal with not being able to run. It changes the way you deal with losing money. This isn't the only life we're going to have, and all of it is moving us towards something glorious. I believe this. And it gives you hope. And it's amazing what the humans with hope can endure. And not just endure. You can have your joy again. It's there. I still have tons of longings that will be unsatisfied, but it's okay now. I have a lot of joy and hope with it. For a long time, I used to stay up late when the whole world was asleep and God would give me these fantasies and at first I thought I was just trying to escape and I thought, I don't know if this is healthy. I'd have all these fantasies of being physical and aggressive and all this stuff. I thought, maybe, maybe I'm just escaping. And then he said, I don't, I, don't, I don't think you are. He said, I think you're making real what's going to come. He said, I'm placing in you these little glimmers of hope and joy that you're working towards. So I have tons of freedom in that now, knowing that that stuff, that's God's Spirit speaking to me. The Bible says that one day those who are in Christ will stand before Him. will stand before Jesus. will stand before God. I don't fully know what this looks like. But I think we're all going to be there. I don't know how public it's going to be. I don't know how private it's going to be. But I also have this image according to the Scripture. And again, I don't know the details of this. But one day when I am presented before God and my flesh, the part of me that is ugly and selfish and always wants to rob and steal glory and make things about me, that's melted away. It's gone completely. And in an, I will finally perfectly and appropriately cast my eyes and praise to my king. And then in that time, I imagine God putting his hand on my shoulders. And then he's going to command my body. Psalms 57, 8, David cries this out. I think God's going to command my body, awake your glory. And in that moment, I will be changed to a perfect body where the outside will match the inside. When I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. When I can finally run and jump and play again, I'm pretty convinced the first thing I'm going to do is kneel. Appropriately before Jesus. And I'll wait like he did to John in Revelation. He'll put his hand on my head again, and he'll say, get up and play. That's coming. And my example right now is physical, but everything that is broken in your life, I promise you, it doesn't last forever. It will be reconciled. It will be made whole. It will be redeemed. The God of the universe will speak into whatever's broken, and he will say, enter your glory. Be made whole, and it will happen. And we'll be in this perfect playground. And we will worship and praise and celebrate the king forever. Praise God. Knowing that that is coming gets you through hard times here 
Knowing that that is coming brings glory to God because he has declared it so and he's given us faith to say, I'm going to dare to believe it and I'm going to live like it. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your sovereignty over all things. Tough things in life and evil in life can be very, very confusing. And I don't have to understand it all. But you have given me enough to know that you are using it to my good. Your word, Romans 8, 28, says it is all being used for my good to conform me to the image of Jesus Christ. So one, God, I pray that we would continue to surrender to that conversion into Christ-likeness and we would see everything as an opportunity to be more like Jesus. And two, I would pray that you would just implant on our hearts and on these people's mind of the hope that is coming, that it's on its way, that it will get here one day and the good will last forever. We praise you and we love you. Amen.